Good evening. It is wonderful to be together to bring this Lord's Day uh, toward the end of a day and, and be together and worship God. If you're a guest, thank you so much for being with us. It does encourage us that you're here. If you want to be open your Bibles to Revelation, the 22nd chapter, in just a few moments, we'll begin there. Uh, we do appreciate Clint McCullough and his organization of the Father and Daughters Retreat. We appreciate our fathers and our daughters and uh, them investing a weekend together in fellowship with each other and with other fathers and daughters and just the fellowship uh, that we have together. Uh, we're excited about Friends Day. It's really easy to get excited about Friends Day. It's always just such an enjoyable time uh, to be with each other, but to meet each other's friends and, and to see the potential of, of individuals that perhaps are, are looking in some way for the Lord and, and to be able to introduce them uh, to the opportunity to learn more about God and to worship together and, and enjoy time together at the park on that Sunday afternoon. And so do be giving that some thought about who you're going to invite this year and, and be prayerful about it. And uh, it's, it's just neat to look in the audience and know that some of you are here because the first time you ever came was on a friend's day. And we hope that that'll just continue uh, to be the result and that it truly will not only be a time to edify us, but that it will be a time uh, to reach out and encourage others as well. It really happened. Steve Higginbotham is a preacher in East Tennessee in Carnes Congregation, and, and he was at a state fair, and he was exiting that state fair with another friend, and the friend realized he had two unused tickets. As they were exiting, they passed by the long line of people that were in line to buy tickets. And so he thought, it's a waste for me to go home with these. I should give these to someone that's here. And so he just turned and, and he kind of said it loud enough for the whole line to hear. And he said, hey, if anybody can tell me how many books are in the Bible, I'll give you two tickets. And immediately somebody yelled, two. And somebody else said, four. And somebody else said, sixteen. And the next person said 33. And the next one said 50. And they guessed, and they guessed, and they guessed, and they guessed, and they guessed. And nobody in that long line knew how many books were in the Bible. In the Bible Belt of the U.S. Friends, the world's not going to emphasize this book. Look around. If this community is ever going to learn this book, it's going to be people like you and I that love it so much, we treasure it, and we live it. And that life causes someone else to say, what is it that you have that I don't have? And we can tell them about our God. And we don't have to do guesswork. And we don't have to, to, to imitate, perhaps, knowledge that we don't have. We, we don't have to, well, I don't know. No, we do know. We know God's Word. We know what He offers us. We know who He is. We know who He expects us to be. And we know who we are on this earth. And we know where we want to spend eternity. So much what you and I know, maybe we take for granted how beautiful it is. Maybe we take for granted how... It gives us a life of steadfastness, provides a way to walk, a way to look even through difficult days and challenges, 
a way to truly humbly enjoy the good days. Tonight, I want to remind you of how this good book closes. In Revelation, the 22nd chapter, anything that God would write would be very intentional. It's interesting to think of the location this is in our Bible. There's only a few more words that's going to be written after the 22nd chapter in verse 18 and 19. And so this grand book closes with these words. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life and from the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. How easy it is for us to read this and understand it. We're not to add to the writings of God's Word. We are not to read something and and to take away from the writings of God's Word. Perhaps everyone here would be offended if if you saw someone read a page in the Bible and then literally say, I I don't like that, and rip that page out. I'm not going to live that and just tear that page out. We'd be surprised probably. We we might even be offended because of a, a love and appreciation for God and His Word because of teachings like this. Don't add to, don't take away. And it's not just that it was given in the New Covenant. Drop back to Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter. In Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter, we see that it was also the same high expectations for individuals to respect the Word of God in its totality and and to not place it on the equivalent of the man words of man, but to leave it just as it is the words of God. And so we read in Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter, in verse 1 and 2, very similar words. Now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I commanded you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? What I'd like for you to do is notice that there's a principle that I think many times we don't quickly identify. And I know when I say it, you're probably going to say, well, sure. But when we read this teaching from this particular place in the Bible, it becomes real clear. It's not only are you going to add your words or take away words of God. You see, the reality is you and I can add and take away from God's Word in the way that we live. And so in this setting, he elaborates on that. Look there in verse 3 and 4. I don't think I have a slide for 3 and 4, but, but notice if you have your Bible open there, it's page 163, the Bible that's in the pew there. And notice in 3 and 4 he says, Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. The Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed after Baal of Peor. Now notice this in 4. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Now put those four verses all together as they're written. And what did God say? Israel, don't add to my word. Don't take away from my word. Don't take away from my word the way Israel did when they joined themselves with harlotry and the Moabites. Wait a minute. Don't take away or add. And then he didn't talk about them rewriting something. He talked about them adding in their behavior, behavior that wasn't appropriate for godly conduct. Taking away 
from the reverence of God or His people. And then in verse 4, he literally said there, holding fast to the Lord your God. Isn't that beautiful? 1 and 2. Verse 1 and 2. Don't add or take away from the Word of God. Verse 4. Be like the ones that held fast to God. How did they hold fast to God? They obeyed the words of God. I would guess that every one of us would say, the greatest challenge for me is not adding and taking away, literally getting out a pen or a racer and adding or taking away from the Word of God, but our greatest challenge is adding and taking away from the Word of God in our daily conduct, in our heart, in our thinking, in our commitment. This isn't the main point this evening that I'm about to make, but I want to plan it, and then if you need to develop it in your mind and conviction, do so, but... Is there an area in your life right now that you do add to the Word of God by your conduct, by your speech? Is there an area of your life that you take away from the Word of God? As you evaluate yourself, I want to challenge all of us to have a conviction that just as we would not take a pen and and say we're writing God's Word anew. Let's make sure that we don't do it in our conduct either. This is God's Word. And it should be the lamp that lights the pathway for our feet to travel. It should be the compass that helps me find the direction toward God. It should be what guides me, not that I try to guide it. I think about one of you that when you first started visiting this congregation, after several months we sat down and we began studying one-on-one. And one of the first things you said to me was whenever I started visiting this congregation, I was a little bit surprised. Because I'd never been in a church before where they literally took the Word of God and they followed it. Literally said the two churches that I've been a part of in the past, the Bible was a reference book. And it was referred to occasionally, but it was never expected that you really would live a day-to-day life based upon the Word of God. And then you said, I love that. That was a challenge. It was logical. It made sense. And now, I really want to learn the Word of God. What a blessing. To know that this is ultimate authority. This is final authority. This is from God. You may have noticed that tonight, in Sunday's bulletin, it said that we're going to study day-to-day living immersed in Scripture. The Word of God is for us to take just as it is and say, can I live that? Like looking into a mirror. This is God's Word. Can I look like this when I live my life? For the next few minutes, for the rest of this lesson, we're going to look at some passages that are favorite passages of some of you. And it's not to highlight the person. And and I want to emphasize that. That's not at all the purpose of these next few minutes. But it is to drive home the fact that the Word of God is supposed to be alive in our lives. 
We should be living each day of our life reflecting God's Word. And so if somebody asks you, what is your favorite verse that, that you rely upon often to get you through a day? What is a verse that you think about often that, that helps keep you on God's pathway? If, if you could say, wow, I, I've never really thought about that. You have to really stop and evaluate what's your approach to God's Word. And so... There was no system to this except Wednesday night. I just typed out a page and when I saw about 15 of you, I just hand you a sheet. And I said, hey, if you have a chance to email this to me in the next couple of days, that's how this system works, okay? It was really high tech. And, and so here's what a few of you mailed back. And, uh, and, and again, it's not the emphasis on the people, but it's to help us think, what is it in God's word that directs our path? Now, somebody can say the whole Bible. But more importantly, what is it that you lean upon? And that's what we want to walk away with tonight, is all of us taking the Word. Remember when Jesus was tempted? Each time He used the Word of God to get Him through that temptation. If we're not feeding and living upon the Word of God, we're missing the great strength that He offers us. And so, I ask Jamie Harper... And I asked him to give me a favorite verse and, and mention why it was a favorite verse. And he said that his favorite verse was Matthew, the 11th chapter, 28, 29, and 30. And we mentioned this this morning. And it's the Lord's great invitation. And it's to come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, and when he said why, that was his favorite passage of Scripture. Is he said, I know that it is easy to live life in the Lord. And it's a very hard life to live life out in the world. And he says, I love that verse that reminds me of how blessed our life is in the Lord. Also, as, as one that, that leads a, a great ministry here in the congregation, uh, the, the recovery through Christ, he listed there that, that uh, 1 Timothy, the first chapter, verse 12 through 15, and, and that particular verse, set of verses there is where Paul is speaking from a humble attitude. And, and think how easy it would have been for Paul to be arrogant, and think about how I'm a blessing to God, I'm a blessing to the kingdom, look at all the great works I've done. Instead, when Paul writes here, he is thankful to Jesus Christ that he's given him an opportunity to be in ministry. And he counts himself remembering that he was a sinner and he was a blasphemer, but it was by God's grace and it was by God's mercy that he invited him into ministry. And so he, he even calls himself the chief among sinners. And it's that kind of humility that Paul writes from that whenever Jamie says that he looks at the opportunity to serve, he always wants to have that kind of heart. What if every elder, deacon, minister, uh, teacher, every leader of a household in this congregation had an attitude like Paul? I am so thankful that God saved me and that he has given me the opportunity to lead because I definitely don't deserve it. What beautiful, beautiful humility. Randy Duke said that his favorite passage was James 1, 2, 3, and 4. Uh, many of you are probably aware of the fact that, that uh, Hannah and Chet 
uh, were very, very sick for a lot of their childhood, and 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 uh, and Hannah even still uh, to to some degree has some challenges with her health, and so Randy said this was a verse that was uh, these verses were like go to verses for him. Uh, as I'm sure many of us could could imagine the heavy burden that it, it would be to continually have a child that is uh, hurting physically. And James 1, uh, 2, 3, and 4, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And then he went ahead and mentioned, he said, Now, Joshua 1 and 9 is Hannah's verse that she's leaned upon all through the years. And it's neat to see that a young person is leaning on the Word of God during the, the, uh, the storms of life. And, of course, this was what God was challenging Joshua to get himself, to get Joshua ready to lead the children of Israel into conquest. And he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then uh, Miss Patty Willoughby told us that her favorite two verses is Philippians 4 and 13 and Isaiah 40 and 31. And, and as a, a widow, a mother, a grandmother, a sister, an aunt, a cousin, a daughter-in-law, a friend, <clears throat> and a caregiver right now, uh, she says her plate is oftentimes full and, and this is what she leans on on a daily basis to have strength to get through the days. Uh, Philippians 4, 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Isaiah 40 and 31, we read this sometime and, and we really paint the wrong picture when we think about a waiting room. Well, I, I just hope I can have the patience to sit until the doctor calls or, or that kind of, That's not waiting in the Lord. Waiting in the Lord is active. It's saying, even though I'm not getting what I want right now, I'm going to continue to do the right thing even when I don't see how it's working out. That's waiting in the Lord. And so Isaiah, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Uh, Lindsay McPherson, she says that um, with her job as a counselor at at the high school in, in Wilson Central, she has 465 freshmen and that uh, many of them come to her with their challenges and their problems, and she sometimes feels overwhelmed of how to help them all. And she says she leans on Philippians, the fourth chapter, and it's four through nine, and then a couple more verses. Let's, this is a, a beautiful reading, and, and it, it is very, very powerful. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Do you notice that word always in there? Rejoice always. What a challenge. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, Whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned. And what are we studying, especially this month? Learning the Word of God. The things that you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do 
and the God of peace will be with you. And then she too mentions verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And verse 19, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Hollis McKinley, he mentions a beautiful Short passage, of course, in a longer story in the Old Testament. He mentions 2 Kings, the 6th chapter, 16 and 17, is one of his favorites. And this is when Syria was catching on to the fact that someone was leaking information. Just like wars and spies today, somebody had to be leaking information because every time Syria got ready to make a move, Israel seemed to know about it. And so he asked around, the king asked around, and someone says, I can tell you who's doing it. There is a prophet of God. His name is Elisha. And he tells the the king of Israel everything that's happening. He loads up the whole army of horses, chariots, and men. He says, where is this man? He's down in Dothan. They travel to Dothan. They surround the whole city because they're going to destroy the man that has been causing them all of this problem. And Elisha has a servant. And the servant, imagine, you know... He walks out, and you know, you can see the eyes getting big, and there's chariots of the enemy, and there's soldiers, and he looks around this way, and they're there, and he looks around this way, and they're there, he looks around this way, and so he runs in, he tells Elijah, not the exact words, but we're in trouble. This is, this is not good. And, and so, here's what, his beautiful verses that, that Hollis says, his favorite verses that, that he likes to lean upon, and, and so he answered, this is 2 Kings 6, 16 and 17, So he answered, this is Elijah answering the servant, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, The mountain was full of horses and chariot of fire all around Elisha. May we never forget that the one that is in us, as John would say several centuries later, the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world. Sissy Pickler uh, just says that in James, the first chapter, verses 2 through 6, and we've already read 2, 3, and 4, she says over the last 15 years that these have been a great comfort to her, and, and then also now she has the responsibility of, of, of aging parents. And uh, so we'll pick up at verse 5 and 6, because we've already read from, um, from Randy Duke's uh, favorite verses, 2, 3, and 4. And, and remember, they dealt with letting the trials in our life going through them faithfully so that they'll produce patience or endurance. And then James writes this, if any of you lacks wisdom, because it takes wisdom, doesn't it? To go through trials of life faithfully takes wisdom. And so James talks about going through the trials faithfully. And then he says, now, you're going to need wisdom to do it, but if you don't have wisdom, here's what you need to know. And so he says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Don Humphrey, he tells that 
uh, his, his favorite verse, and uh, you would like the way he first mentioned before he told his favorite verse. He said, which one of the 3,947 favorite passages would you like? And, and uh, he said it was very difficult to have one favorite passage, and many of you mentioned that, but uh, he loves 3 John the second verse that he wishes towards other people, what John wished towards the people that he loved. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. And then Don mentioned something that is just beautiful. He said, also my favorite passage is just the entire book of Acts. And he said, when and surely most of you, if not all of you, know that Don is uh, now he's doing mission work. Before that, he was at located uh, ministerial work, and and he said when I would have people in my life as a minister that felt like it was their place to make the minister miserable, he said I would think of Acts two, and then he said now when I think about the work in Sudan, and he said the work is easy. The trips are very, very hard. And he said, when I'm on those trips and, and there's problems and, and challenges and, and, and just difficulties, he said, I love to just start reading Acts and see what Paul or some of the other missionaries dealt with as they were spreading the gospel. And it always is a great encouragement to him. And uh, we hope it'll continue to be in the great work that he's doing. All right, just a few more. Carol Keff. Carol Keff mentions... Uh, the verses that have encouraged her uh, so much was literally, and, and this ought to be a really a challenge to all grandparents. Uh, Carol, her favorite verse is the same favorite verse of her grandmother's. And I just thought, what a compliment that here, um, in this point in her life, she still knows what her grandmother's favorite verse was. And are we living that kind of life before our children and before our grandchildren that not only they know that we love the Word of God, but they even know details about our love for the Word of God. And it's Romans the 8th chapter and in verse 28, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to His purpose. And we do not have slides for this, but she mentions three passages that... Uh, really four that are a great encourage to her for various challenges that, that uh, she's had throughout life and fear and anxiety. She says Luke 12, 22 through 34, also Romans 5, 1 through 11, also Matthew 28, 18 uh, through 20. And she loves the fact that the always is in the great commission that the Lord will be with us always, even to the end of the age. And she also mentions Isaiah 40, verse 31 that we mentioned earlier, Miss Patty Willoughby's favorite also. And then uh, next to last here, our brother Ben Dennis, his, his favorite passage is John the 8th chapter in verse 10 and 11 where Jesus was dealing with the lady who her neighbors had already dealt with her in a way that they wanted to execute her and stone her to death. Uh, she was caught in the act of adultery. And in John 8, 10 and 11 says, When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. 
And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And Ben mentions how much he loves the grace and the mercy that Jesus is showing here and realizes how desperately he needs it, we all need it, and how much we need to extend it to other people. Also, as a teacher, he loves the Great Commission. And uh, he also mentioned the fact of knowing that the Lord is always going to be with him uh, just as, as Carol also mentioned. And then finally tonight, our, our brother Pat Hackney. Uh, he says that, that he loves Micah, the sixth chapter in verse 8. And it is one of the greats out of the Old Testament, if we can say that. I hate to elevate any passage above another, but we do have favorites, and definitely this would be one of those. Micah, the sixth chapter in verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? And he said as an elder, the passage that he leans on that challenges him is Hebrews the 13th chapter and verse 17 because it reminds him of how serious the responsibility is as it pertains to the day of judgment. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. This room would be full of individuals that every day Scripture runs through their minds. That's their compass. That's what they live by. And tonight, it's, it's not an effort to beat anybody down. But if you go throughout the day and not one scripture runs through your mind, challenge yourself to spend more time. We can't live a godly life very well if we don't know the words of God. He doesn't require us to be scholars. But He does require us to be obedient. And it's virtually impossible to obey a will that you don't know. And we miss out on a close relationship with God, which is a tremendous, tremendous gift. Tonight... If the study of Scripture today, or maybe the study of Scripture on your own, maybe someone's encouraged you. If there's something that has provoked your heart, your thinking tonight, that you know that you're not right with God. If you want to be immersed into Christ, or if you want to return to Christ. If there's anything we can help you do to obey this Word, to grow closer to your God, we'd be honored. Delighted to help you with that tonight. Come as we stand and as we sing.